WAMFLP 90.3 FM, the voice of the people. Make sure you are tuning in uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Uh, this is the Booze Brothers Show. I'm DJ DZ. You can follow me at Snapchat or Instagram, DJ underscore DZ. And I'm here with Ali and Alex. Uh, can you guys, you want you guys want to plug in your uh, your website and your social media so people know how to get a hold of you for these uh, surveys? Yeah, certainly. So if you've um, if you've been listening um, or if you've just joining us, my name is Ali Huddleston, and this is my research partner Alex. I am a stripper and sex worker based here in New Orleans. Um, Alex is a Tulane student. We are doing a research study called the NOLA Raids Survey, where we're trying to evaluate the impact of raids on dancers. Um, because what we've seen in our community is that. Um, policing and criminalization tend to have a very negative impact on people. Um, so we have a anonymous survey that takes about three minutes to take. Yeah, um, it is anonymous. Um, we also, if you would like, um, to, we give out a $10 Amazon gift card for anyone who would like it after they finish the survey. Um, one, one, one more thing, if you want to take the survey, um, you just have to have been somebody who's danced in New Orleans between 2015 and 2018, whether or, or not you've experienced a raid or up to the present. Yeah. But um, you had to have at least started in 2018. But um, yeah, whether or not you've experienced a raid, we really want to hear from you about how changes in our industry and our city have impacted you. Um, survey's anonymous. You can get a $10 Amazon gift card once you've finished. The um, if you I mean I think it'd just be easier to share our email I guess yeah it's um, nola raid study at gmail dot com um, all under uh, all nothing capitalized and that's n o l a r a i d s t u d y nola raid study at gmail dot com please get in touch with us we are happy to send you a link to our survey yep. um there is a survey link also posted on our research poster which was shared on bear nola's instagram um so you can get the link from us by emailing us or if you just want to see our poster um it was posted on that social media page yeah. and it's just us that run the email so if you email us it's you're not going to get anybody else. Um, it's a small team. I think you also mentioned you would be able to post something oh, yeah, on yeah. your Make Facebook sure, Yeah, follow page. me on the Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, I'm definitely going to put it up there. Uh, yeah, because this affected a lot of my friends, mm -hmm. a lot of my peers, coworkers. Uh, I mean, kids who I have spent holidays with, it affected them. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I definitely uh, i am intrigued by this survey. And, I mean, I want to get the word out there. Uh, I know when the raids were going on, I was on. I was very active on social media. I was at the city council meetings, um, and yeah, it, it's it does hit home for me. And uh, I want people to understand that this is all with good intent, and it's uh, information that's not your personal information is not going to get leaked out, correct? I mean, yeah, no, the survey Absolutely is totally not. anonymous. We don't know, you know, people who've taken the survey. We don't know who they are. We just see what they've said, and, and that's all. Um, you know, again, it is with good intent. Um, the idea is just to use data to validate our experiences, you know? Um, there's a lot of ways that we can go about addressing issues of policing and criminalization and sex work. I don't think that this research study is going to be the be-all, end-all, but I think that this is just maybe one thing, um, it's a you step. know, one step to just put forward and, and gather evidence that 
criminalization and policing um, hurts people and hurts families. And, um, you know, we've, we've honestly, we've got the data to prove it. Okay. Uh, we're having a short discussion in the music break. I was uh, saying in a perfect universe, a different world, if New Orleans were to decriminalize uh, sex work, uh, how would how would what would be the pros and cons? And then I made a comparison to Vegas, and you said uh, it's actually legal out there. So what's uh, a in verbiage talk? So what's the difference between decriminalization and legalizing? I think that's a great question. I'm really glad you asked. Um, so the difference between decriminalization or decrim and legalization is that when we say we want to decriminalize sex work, we don't want, we just want sex work to not be criminalized. So we don't want sex workers to go to, to jail anymore. We don't want them to be incarcerated um, for doing sex work. Um, and that's it. We would want just people who are sex workers to be able to operate freely. And that's it. No involvement of the government then legalization is a model that incorporates government involvement. So in Vegas, well, not Vegas, but in Nevada, where um, brothels are legalized, you know, it's still not legal to operate as an independent sex worker, or independent escort or independent anything. Um, you have to be in the brothel system, which has a lot of different kinds of requirements, um, requires things like STI testing and other kinds of things. And of course, I think obviously, you know, any person who's sexually active should get tested for STIs, whether Please. or not they get paid for it. <laughs> um, you know, I think that often sex workers probably utilize a lot more risk reduction methods than the average Tinder date. But the point is, is like anyone who's sexually active should get tested. Please. I don't think that sex workers need the government to be collecting data on them getting tested and then criminalizing them if they fail to operate within those standards. That's why we don't want things like legalization because basically we we feel like the government would still use it as a chance to criminalize certain kinds of sex workers, right. criminalize certain kinds of sex work while legalizing other kinds. Yeah. Um, you know, we we it opens up to more fines. And upper, yeah, things like fines and regulations yeah. and regulations so that don't need to be regulated. I had a couple of friends that worked in Vegas. Uh, they had to go get an, a photo taken, an ID, in order to be working in mm -hmm. the strip clubs. And is that the same system for working in the brothels? Um, yeah, they do have a similar kind of, yeah, licensing requirements and stuff like that. And the thing about the sex industry is like often people do turn to it. And, and one reason why it's, it's really great is that it's a low barrier of entry. You know, you don't have to wait two weeks for a pay stub and, you know, get a license and all that. Well, not here, but, um, you know, the idea of just being able to go somewhere and work and get hired and get what you need to survive I think needs to continue. Um, what we see right now is that people who work in the sex industry, especially people who work outdoors, tend to be criminalized, have higher rates of violence. They can't report that violence because what they're doing as a sex worker is illegal. So they fear arrest or deportation just by reporting violence yeah. against them. So we were just uh, talking about how if you are if you are suspected of prostitution now and you have condoms on your person that can be used as evidence against you which just de-incentivizes you know safe sex puts people at risk for hiv um so you know decriminalization would help with like if you are suspected of prostitution and someone stops you 
then you couldn't be arrested just for carrying condoms on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that, you know, the people who are most often arrested tend to be people who work outdoors, tend to be transgender women, tend to be black and brown folks. Yeah, so I think that it's important to decriminalize because we don't need to incarcerate sex workers and we don't need to incarcerate and criminalize people's survival. We need to empower and thrive um, and decriminalization would be a really big step forward. And I think a lot of people wonder about that because they say, but what about trafficking? What about human trafficking victims? And it's like, well, you know, are you we really... To arrest the yeah, we're yeah, who are victims of human trafficking. Yeah, don't arrest the victims of human trafficking. But I mean, you know, I think that trafficking could still exist. Uh, but I think that it may be easier to find if you can differentiate between, um, you know, people who are just trying to survive and then people who might really need some help. And I think it's worth yeah. noting that there's a lot of hysteria over trafficking, but a huge majority of trafficking happens in the context of like domestic work, maids, nannies, um, and agricultural work, you know? And I think that people tend to zoom in on the sex industry as a huge site for that, but it's like exploitation can happen in a lot of different kinds of fields. And I think that we do need justice for all workers, protection for all people and all forms of labor. Um, you know, and in a lot of ways, maybe sex workers are the kind of people that we're envisioning a better world for everyone. You know, I, I don't think that, I think that everyone needs protection for, for work and that nobody should be criminalized for trying to survive. Wow. Very, uh, very well spoken. Um, man, so uh, you studied, uh, how long you, have you been doing this survey? Um, so we started in March of this year, and we will be ending this next January. So we have about a month and a half left on the survey. Um, Was it January 1st? January, so? Yeah, January 1st, okay. end of this year, end of 2019. And so far we have almost 50 respondents, which is good because that, that's kind of what we were looking for. Um, in general, you try to pick a sample size based on the population you're surveying, but it's really hard to know what our po- what, how many people are in our population because you know women can work at multiple different clubs, maybe under different mm. names. So and people we travel. People travel. People have left the city because of the raids. They had to move to a different place. Yeah. So we operated on a sort of um, assumption that each club probably has a hundred dancers that regularly come to that club. You know what I mean? Like they either they're working there every day or they're working there once a month and then going somewhere else or whatever. We just estimated, and that's probably a little low for some clubs, a little high for other clubs, the smaller right. ones. But we estimated that there was like maybe 100 dancers at every club. And then here in New Orleans, we've got, I mean, since a few of them closed down, you know, we've got like 12 clubs or so. I mean, we're looking yeah. at maybe 1,000 people. 1,000 people working at the clubs. But then I think you said you know, just given your own experience, maybe about 200 women involved in the 2018 raids. Yeah, something um, like that. Making 50, you know, a fairly, like, 25% of, you know, it's a yeah. pretty ambitious goal. Because when we just made estimations of based on which clubs got raided and how many people that we think were there based on people who've told me about their experience. Right. So, I mean, again, though, this is why it's really hard doing research in this work is because there's just not a lot of numbers. Yeah. And, and that's fine, you know. Yeah, speaking of numbers, uh, so I can, I'm trying to recall what clubs are closed. Uh, Rick's Saloon turned into Boot Scootin' Rodeo. Yeah. Centerfold's 
turned into uh, a restaurant, I believe. Yeah. Temptations closed down, and it's still a vacant building, and it's a beautiful building. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it's sitting there with boarded up doors Sad. and windows. It's yeah, it's disturbing just to walk down. Kama like, Sutra, oh. which used to be Babes, um, it was Babes, and then it was Kama Sutra, and now Kama Sutra's closed down. What is it now? It's just it's nothing. It's boarded up, right? It's boarded up, and okay. then um, lipsticks. Lipsticks closed and closed. became a nightclub, and uh, then Bourbon what? Vibes. Deja Vu became Hunks Oasis. Correct. And uh, actually, I think it was already. Was it already Hunks? No, it was. No, it, it was still so Deja Vu. Dix, it was Deja Vu for the 2015 Trick or Treat raids, but by the time the 2018 raids came by, it was already Hunks Oasis, which is a male strip club. Mm. And then um, don't forget about Dixie Divas and Gentlemen's Quarters. Oh, I forgot on, about them. Uh, yeah, yes. on Iberville Street. Um, or Bienville Street. They were. They also closed down. So. What are and they then now? there was a club in the east that closed down. I'm pretty sure. Did Passions ever? Did Passions close down, or did they just get raided? I don't remember. I think they just got raided. Okay, never I, mind. I've cool. Heard, don't yeah. don't listen to me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of clubs, though. Right. In a in a span of what four years? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. Like, also, we keep raids keep happening. So I mean, I've in academia, there's not a whole lot of understanding about what this is, and I've received pushback from. You know, people I've talked to just for like, hey, how should this survey be worded? Something they're like, well, the raids only happened 2018. Isn't this like a little late? I'm like, no, they're they're still ongoing. Late. They're ongoing. So, they're still so you happening. foresee more raids happening next year, 2020? You know, I I'm not a I'm not law enforcement, and I'm not yeah. going to make any kinds of assumptions as to what their plans are. Uh, but do I worry? Yes, I worry yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. So you know, I I kind of just kind of treat it as a potential possibility every weekend, every day. But do I know? I have literally no idea what their plans are and if they plan on raiding. I really hope that they don't. And like, I can only imagine the anxiety of wondering when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And just uh, like consuming your mind. Like, oh, it could happen today, tomorrow. Yeah. I remember, uh, so I was working at the Hustler Club and there was Bourbon Street construction going on for like a good portion of the year. And it was so upsetting because it, we, it was just ruining our business. Uh, people were just walking right by the club, and I, I was not seeing any uh, revenue the way I was uh, previously seen in the the business. And then came uh, what was it? The uh, New Year's. New Year's Eve came, and woof, everything it's cleaned up. Great mm-hmm. streets are open. And two three weeks go by in the 2018, and then out of nowhere. Raids start happening uh, right before Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. and people start getting their alcohol license revoked. Clubs were getting closed, and I'm sitting here like, "What the hell? Like, we just went through this whole year of Bourbon Street construction, only for these raids to start happening now." And uh, they're telling us we can't sell. Uh, well, no, actually, Hustler Club, we we're still able to sell alcohol. Yeah. Other clubs, they were turned into a juice bar, so yeah. they all can all they could do is serve mixers, not even any alcohol no beer no liquor wine or and then some of the clubs were i mean it was hard to sell a club or hard to sell a room without liquor so you're just paying for a time with a lady and then with the understanding that there's nothing that's going to happen yeah and we were talking to you know one lady who mentioned that even now with the new rules on how dancers can act in you know in private rooms on stage um that's caused a lot of tension between you know dancers management and customers because customers 
you know, they're expecting a certain thing. Especially if they come in. from other states. Especially other states that come rules. and they're like, wait, but in Texas I can I can get this. And, you know, management doesn't want to advertise these new rules because that can hurt people coming in and paying. Um, so it, like, lands on the dancers who are stuck with these customers who are angry that they don't, they're not getting what they feel like they have paid for. Yeah, right. it can be hard, you know, I mean, because it's New Orleans on bourbon at least. Um, the clubs mostly see tourists, so they are just used to their own rules, and they're expecting that because it's Bourbon Street, it's they can have a wild, crazy yeah. time. And even Anything a lot goes. of dancers don't all know fully like what exactly the rules are, because you know there might be, oh, well, this is a rule, but then they see other dancers. You know, it just puts a lot of pressure on us to like essentially like enforce these vague laws that were written in the 50s and i mean for a lot of those clubs that turned into juice bars a lot of them that were able to reopen that didn't shut down they they were able to get their liquor license back but only on the basis of agreements with the with the atc um and some of those agreements like for um, a couple clubs i know of on bourbon street they have to close for a certain number of days per year so i know some dancers on bourbon right now can't work because their club's agreement with the atc shows that they have to close for like 23 days a year and like those, those days are coming up right now so yeah. they're out of work even though they didn't really get rated it's just part of this like agreement uh again it's just it sort of triangulates right it's like triangulating dancers customers management and the law making it hard i mean i feel like it makes it hard for us to work together yeah. because you're always worried about like oh what if this customer breaks a rule and I can get fired. I, that kind of anxiety is hard. Honestly, it's making me want to, I was not going to work tonight. It's making me want to go into work tonight. Cause I'm like, <laughs> what if the raid comes next month? Right. What am I going to do? You know, I ponder and wonder uh, from time to time, what happens if they just clean all the, all the strip clubs up and it just bourbon street, just bars and restaurants and t-shirt shops. And you can't, there's not even cigar shops on them. Is there, are there cigar shops? I think there? there's a, there's one. Cause I know that, um, yeah, I know that there's like a cigar tobacco store on, on that Bergen. you could buy it, but you can't smoke in there. I don't think. Yeah, it's like a kind of a tiny store, so you can't really. So smoke yeah, I mean, there. what what does Bourbon Street turn into when that when those venues are taken out? Sesame Street. <laughs> mm. It's it's just a. Uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine Bourbon Street without adult entertainment because that's yeah, yeah that's like a big part of the New Orleans draws like. But I think that there's people in power that maybe you're trying to push a different narrative, um, you know, because let's let's be real, like families spend a lot of money on vacations. Families tend to have children. I don't know why you want to bring your kids onto Bourbon don't. Street. I, I always say that. I Do not. baby carriages. Like yeah. No. Babies, but like two feet outside. If you're listening, it, please do not bring your children to Bourbon Street. Yeah, I've like, always I, said this. And don't wear sandals. But I think a big part no, of it no. is probably about tourism revenue and about wanting to attract more revenue from families and yeah. creating a more family-friendly environment because those 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 tourism dollars are, are pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think it comes at the cost of just limiting space for adults to be adults, um, limiting people's personal freedoms. Yeah, there's so many places that you can be, like, have family fun that's, you know, not on Bourbon Street. I mean, like. even all over the quarter, you can go yeah. and have family fun. There's a playground where they used to have a dog park, even though there's like no kids in the quarter. <laughs> you know, you take your kids to the playground take over on Barrack Street. Stuff them full of beignets. Yeah, stuff them full of beignets. You know, it's, yeah, what does it become? It all becomes Sesame Street, you know? 
we're just trying to have fun. We just want to dance and entertain the masses, yeah. show them a good time, give them a nice New Orleans memory that they'll never forget. Absolutely. I Yeah, I remember my first uh, encounters on Bourbon Street. I was like, this is like a circus out here. Yeah. I, I was just, I mean, dumbfounded. Like, is this really happening? And this happens every time. And it wasn't Mardi Gras or nothing. I, my vision of Bourbon Street was Mardi Gras and what right. videos I've seen. Uh, prior to YouTube, like so, that's how old I am. Uh, I remember a time before YouTube where I see like a, uh, oh, what's that? It was those uh, eighteen and up videos, uh, like Two Hopper TV, and like oh, you see yeah. uh yeah, you see Mardi Gras and girls uh, are flashing and there's beads and like, whoa, I need to go to Bourbon Street one day in my life. Instead, you see, like, you know, 10-year-old kids drumming on the <laughs> on the big five-gallon buckets. Those little a-holes. They're the real hustlers. <laughs> Those kids are the real Even hustlers. Even Mardi Gras is just, it's, like, family-friendly. Like, I always see, like, families, like, coming out, like, parked outside their houses and stuff. It's, like. Uh, Mardi Gras? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like, mean, yeah. I think it's During just, certain parades. Yeah. I certain think parades. If anyone's listening and they're a power player here in the city, you know. Us, us service industry folks, we just want to work. We want to show people a good time. You know, kids got a bedtime. The club's open way past that. For you sure. know, let's let's consider operating hours when we're talking about zoning and entertainment laws. You know, uh, church and school happens in the day. A lot of entertainment tends to happen at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a I have a suggestion. NOPD wants to enforce those curfew laws. Whoa. And uh, I mean, those kids are out there during after well after their curfew well i'm I'm gonna say i don't put i'm not gonna suggest i'm not gonna tell cops how to do their jobs really it's not really in mind but you know i would just say like raids hurt people (laughs) criminalization hurts people i feel like i'm like broken record but i'm gonna keep saying it until we have justice until we have decriminalization and until we have a safe and stigma free um environment in which to work and if you're really looking for human trafficking, like police raids, you're hurting the people that could help you the most. Okay, yeah, looking for definitely, that. yeah. That's uh, so it, when you put people out of work and they have no other options, I've I've seen it. I I believe you said you've seen it. People are kind of they have no other choice but to go into the you said the outdoor. I'm not saying all people, but some. You've people, seen scenarios. I've seen from my personal experience of friends who who had to turn to forms of sex work that they weren't wanting to do they preferred to dance they didn't want to do full service but then after the raids and their club closed down this person had to uh go back to doing full service sex work um which uh can carry more risks simply because it's criminalized so she went and because her club closed down and in order to support herself she went and had to risk um, criminalization um, even though she didn't want to some people do do full service and they want to do that they prefer that over the club but some people don't um, but raids hurt that you know and I think you know like Alex said raids would hurt finding an mm-hmm. actual survivor of coerced labor because you know that person's probably just going to get swept up in the raids and it those raids weren't done they aren't very compassionate I don't think that there's any kind of raid that could be done compassionately uh, I think that that it would be scary for anybody. I don't think that that's a very survivor-centered way to to find survivors of violence. Yeah, especially if you're if you were a victim of human trafficking, you already have experienced trauma, and then to put someone through a police raid like that, I mean, you don't know how that could impact them. Yeah, 
it's not very trauma informed. Um, I mean, I just think that policing in general on sex work is unwarranted, which is why I'm not the one who's like, oh, well, we should just have compassionate raids. No, I don't believe that. I don't think that there's any kind of raid. I don't think that going into someone's workplace and shutting it down is 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 a way to do anything. I think that that's a way to create more precarity um, and more vulnerability in in this community. Um, raids make us vulnerable. They decrease our income um, in so many ways. So I, I just say, like, no raids and no criminalization because that's what raids are rooted in, right? They're looking for people who do extras. They're looking for drugs. They're looking for things that are criminalized. And I'm like, well, if we decriminalize sex work, there'd be no reason to raid. Yeah. And how uh, many office buildings just get police raids like at random points of the night? Yeah, like, I know. I mean, how would you office worker feel if cops like ran into your office and told you you couldn't get paid for the rest of the day and told you to leave and, you know, took pictures of you in your underwear? <laughs> So and uh, something that happened during those raids is there was actually no findings of uh, human trafficking during the yeah. the first uh, trick or treat, right? Right, but I oh, think sorry, both trick or treat and the 2018, which we don't have a name. I don't know what their name for that uh, was. Yeah, trick was or treat something. was the cop code name, but I don't know what they called the 20 the 2018. We just call it the 2018. Yeah, but no, no human trafficking were found. Just a lot of alcohol fines and licenses. Provoked. Yeah, they. Yeah, they, I think they brought out the old rules and like, oh, that that girl was in uh, eighteen inches above the floor. Yeah, they yeah. they cited clubs for for violations. Yeah, related to contact with customers, distance. Um, the, you can, you can't sit on a customer's lap. I think that's uh, what at least it, with your top off. With your top off. Yeah, at least so, that's my interpretation. Of yeah, Title that's 26. that's what I got from it as well. Like, so if you were doing a lap dance on a guy, you can't have your top off. Yeah. That's, that's what they said now. And that's the rule that's being enforced. And, um, oh, they also allege drug violations at some of the clubs, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the citations, some of the citations that some those, clubs got. Do you know if those were found? Um, you know, there's, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be the expert on that. But I will say that some clubs did fight back on the violations that they were accused of mm-hmm. because some of the violations were, I don't know, it just seemed like something that would never happen. And one issue in all of this is that law enforcement doesn't have to provide any actual evidence other than their word. So if they allege that something happened that it's a violation of the law happened in a club, they don't have to actually provide like evidence. They just have to say, oh, such and such dancer broke the law and that's what happened. And I think it's hard because these undercovers tend to be the pushiest customers. They're actually trained and encouraged to push our boundaries. And it's traumatizing because, you know, I've definitely met a few in the club and, you know, you're just trying to dance and they are grabbing at you, harassing you. Like trying, intentionally. like intentionally, like trying and to get you to like asking for drugs, trying and to get stuff, you, yeah, trying and to get you to do more, yeah, contact yeah, basically, and work. it's and it's really aggressive, frankly, and it's like I'm somebody who you know I can try to dance away, I can try to say no, but if someone's like pushing me to that level, I'm gonna stop saying no, and I'm probably just gonna like try to ignore them, mm-hmm. and I'm like, am I gonna get cited for breaking the law just because I didn't say no? I mean. You know they send these undercovers in, and these people are so aggressive. Right. It's 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 traumatizing. I mean, imagine if there's a dancer who's a survivor of trauma who just ends up 
in the lap dance with, yeah. with and these the guys cops are, and they're baiting you yeah, who's like, baiting yeah. you and who's pushing you and you're maybe there's a survivor of trauma out there who has a hard time advocating for herself has a hard time or just anyone ad- has anybody a hard time. you know and or just say you're just freaking tired that day and you're just you just are so sick of saying no and, and you just say oh whatever you know that to me that's assault to me that's assault if, sure. if somebody is undercover trying to coerce you into breaking the law trying to coerce you into telling them that you're going to give them extras like to me like that's assault like that's coercion and i don't i don't think that that's the way frankly like i think it's targeting um technically so yeah there's a whole we did trainings at bear we partnered with the nola ipm to offer trainings on knowing your rights and entrapment Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Chapman, that was a damn word I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah, and I learned that basically if an officer offers something to break the law and you say yes, it's not entrapment. Because you agreed to it. Because you agreed to it, unless there's a sort of like extenuating circumstance that would maybe cause you to say yes. And I think that honestly, a lot of time it is entrapment because we're in the extenuating circumstance of just needing to survive. And, you know, sometimes, you know, even if you don't have an intention of breaking the law or whatever or providing an extra or whatever, you know, sometimes if you just say yes and then go away, you know, you you just hope they'll disappear. But then, yeah, but then, yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel like extenuating circumstances could be like being alone with an angry man in a VIP room who is asking you and being aggressive about things. And how is that not? like harassment or coercion exactly i mean i think that it's violent i remember i read one of the um the transcripts and uh because it it was talking about a friend of mine and somebody who i knew it was at a i I can't even say the club um but they the officer stated well what do i get in the room and the young lady said oh we could do we could just have some fun like and kept pushing for her to say what they were going to do and say do whatever you want have some fun and that was the the just of that was really just of what the conversation was but you know under different interpretation what people are how you perceive it I, having fun could mean so many things yeah. uh, i like playing twister i mean i yeah. like playing video games that could be fun <laughs> i mean uh, i like you know just having a long beautiful conversation and looking deep into someone's eyes i like to see how many chicken wings they eat like in one minute that's uh, there you go. i like to twerk <laughs> in a handstand <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, a lot of it's leper interpretation. But you know, when you have officers, uh, people that we trust, c- people of the community that we trust to uphold these laws, and they're trying to entrap our very own uh, people. They're supposed to be protecting. Yeah, they're I, coercing us. Exactly. Yeah. It it just it just doesn't sit well with uh well with me and what I'm sure with many people. Just like you're you're trying to get us to like say that you're, we're going to do something when we're definitely not and you know and really trap people and yeah. hurt people and uh take away a form of income and you know i don't get why i i don't understand why there's such a, a push against dancers and this uh entertainment world um that you call it the sex world or the sex workers you know it's just it's entertainment i believe in just in all all sorts of uh different forms uh, whether it be burlesque shows or uh, cam girls, like you were saying earlier, dancers, strippers, um, you know, it's it's all entertainment to me. And and I think, yeah, that comes into like when you you brought up like, well, what if it was decriminalized or legalized? Like, 
you know, dancing is legalized, but we there's still so many issues against it. And so it doesn't do to just be like, okay, well, it's legal. You also have to make sure that people are protected and there's not this huge, like you said, like stigma against it and judgment where people feel like, okay, because you, you're a dancer, like we can do all these, we can coerce you, we can raid your place of work and we can do all these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it ends up sort of criminalizing people who are technically working legally, but in this context of suspicion, you know, I think a lot of times they send undercovers and mystery shoppers in under the suspicion that we're already guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, no innocent until right. proven guilty that we're already guilty. Yeah. We're already, guilty they're just they're looking, they're just looking for us. And yeah. it's, it's really sad, honestly. Uh, like I said many times, it's just, it just puts us in a really, really vulnerable spot. Um, so, you know, no, that's why we're doing this study. And, and that's why, you know, we're just hoping that our data on the fact that raids and criminalization is really traumatizing. You know, we really hope that that can speak to some of those power players, because if we they want to do evidence based practices, you know, well, we're providing some evidence that maybe their practices don't work. Right. Uh, you said you're uh, Linda had a question earlier, right? Oh, Linda, my mom, she had a question <laughs> about male strippers um, and are they subject to the same kinds of trauma? And I would say it's such a different world with male strippers because there's two different kinds of male strippers. There's male strippers who work in a straight club that caters to women. So imagine the movie like Magic Mike um, where you get buff guys catering to women. I was telling these folks that I think that it's a narrower standard of beauty in that world because I see, I will see a lot of different kinds of girls at one club, right? You know, a couple girls, big boobs, big booty, little booty, tall, short, you know. But then in the male strip club, it's only these, like, buff Magic Mike guys. And they have to pick up girls and throw them all around. And, and they're not subject to the same laws. They can have their nipples out. And they're allowed to co- have contact with customers. They're allowed to pick women up and throw them around you you know what you're right there's no uh i don't think i've read any law that says you can't touch the yeah it's, it's all female and these women will be grabbing at their um Genitalia? at their at their at their genitals um and all of that and i would say that i've i actually know a female strippers who work in that kind of context and you know sometimes they get you know because these women women in society just generally aren't able to express that kind of voracious sexuality um so they get let loose into this world where they feel very entitled to access to these men's bodies i love how you termed it all that yes yes uh they feel a lot of entitlement to access to these men's bodies and and i know that that can make their job really hard because there is that expectation in the magic mike type of world that the women can just do anything they want um, and I know that that's a lot of pressure, but then there's other kinds of strip club world too for men, which is like the gay strip clubs and mm-hmm. go-go bars. And, and that's just a whole different world from yes. like magic Mike world, you know, in that environment, you're dealing with the politics of the gay community. Um, and then the type of, you know, the type of like maybe subculture that that club might cater toward, um, you know, whether it's a go-go bar or strip joint for men um you're you're getting like a whole different set of politics mm-hmm. in play Absolutely. um i will say i mean i can't speak to levels of trauma um but i will say that these clubs don't get raided as much however i will note that there are gay bars in our city that have been targeted yes. um by the atc and the city abo 
Um, so, you know, there, there probably is certainly trauma related to the, the loss of space um, for, for gay men to, to live in their culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's something that uh, I remember, was, it was a 2018 raise, uh, that they brought up that would the uh, would these same laws be restricted or uh, be applied to that uh, area of Bourbon Street, the 700 block or is it 800? Do you know mm-hmm. 700, 800, wait, that's wait, 800 block of Bourbon Street, uh, like where Oz and uh, oh yeah yeah yeah, that's 800 block of Bourbon. I think that's yeah the 800 block. Yeah, and uh, I they had brought it up and I was like, you know what, that's a whole community that we've like, I, that I personally I overlooked because I was working in these uh the strip clubs on Bourbon. Like I've only worked at. Uh, there's clubs that have females dancing. Yeah. D- definitely did not think about um, anything going on down the street. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's another form of sex work. I mean, uh, the go-go dancers that are over there, and they're they're already uh, kind of put in this box of how they're pers- – uh, they're put in this box where they can't be as forward and as out as they want to be. There's still, still people that are against – like homosexuality and um being openly gay and it's it's uh even in this town during decadence you still see people come out here with the picket signs and yeah totally like for uh for whatever reason they whatever reasons they may come out there for it's just it's not with good intent yeah, and I, I will note in the early days of bear which is an organization that i'm part of um when archer and i did try to put our posters up in some of the male strip clubs in the quarter because we wanted to invite um, male strippers to like come to our meetings and stuff but they just never uh they were just never interested and that's cool i mean i think you know maybe there's just a whole different set of issues and they just weren't interested and also they they ended up not experiencing the raids so in the same way really so um but interestingly i've tried to reach out you know i've gone down to the corner pocket but uh you know and that's fine you know whatever it's you know it's life and but do they experience the same levels of trauma i mean i think that we'd have to ask male strippers to speak on their experience um because i'm not sure but i will say that the policing in our city is done in a discriminatory way um against specifically uh dancers who are presenting as women Mm -hmm. i'm sorry i listened to y'all but there's a little buzz going on sorry y'all okay i think we're back on track so uh that was the question your mother your uh i'm sorry linda had (laughs) how the male uh dancers are perceived um now with uh the survey the outcome once uh once it wraps up in january are you guys going to release this study anywhere yeah so we are so it'll take a little bit we want to write you know write a formal paper date do the data analysis and um, after that, we do want to try and publish, um, but we also want to release this this data out to the community because you know it's useful. Like information is power, and to be able to have that, like maybe make it like pretty in like a little pamphlet or something. Yeah. But you know, give it to people. So if you know organizations like Bear um, want to go forward and like 
advocate for themselves, they have information saying like, hey, look, this study was done showing that police raids were harmful and you know, I don't, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but so far all of our data has shown that they were harmful. And, you know, that's something about, you know, academia and, you know, public health is, you know, even if you know something is going to be some way, you need to, you know, have the data to back yes. it up. Yeah. So we're yeah. exercising when we talk about our findings tonight, today, mm-hmm. we're just, we're saying they're preliminary because the study is technically not done. Right. So who knows what kind of data upset we could get. <laughs> But no, I mean, really, all all of it's so far pointing to, yeah. Of course, yeah, I, yeah, I, and I think that's uh, I, I'm glad that y'all came on because there's a voice out there. There's voices out there that are not being heard, and uh, kind of it. We talk amongst ourselves, our own little community, but there's people outside of uh, New Orleans and outside of uh, really uh, Louisiana that just don't know what's happening down here. And you know, when they come to Bourbon Street, they have certain expectations, and they they're just not going to get it anymore. Uh, and uh, again, can I get the the website? No, sorry, the email. Yeah. Um. So Nola Raid Study. So N O L A Raid R A I D Study S T U D Y at gmail dot com, and it is all lowercase. Um. And if you email that, um, you'll get either me or Ali responding. There's no one, no one else on our team. It's just the two of us. So don't worry if you're like worried that you might get some random stranger no, just two people all right yeah. nola raid study at gmail.org mm-hmm. dot com. i'm sorry gmail.com um and then uh for anybody that's listening that does follow me on um the social media dj underscore dz i'll be posting on my instagram and on my facebook and that way anybody that's been in the business and a lot of my friends uh who are on facebook you're definitely gonna get this link and i mean hit them up they're gonna i, I, I please do me a favor take this three minute survey yeah it takes like three minutes we just want to know how you felt, what the outcome was, um, really just your perception of what happened during these raids. And if you started dancing after 2018? Uh, yeah, so we're looking for people, um, if you were a dancer in New Orleans, over 18, um, who've, who's been dancing, I think our official criteria is from 2017 to present, but you could have stopped dancing just because... Sorry, 2015, my bad. Uh, 2015 to present. Um, but if you stop dancing um, and you're not dancing now, like you're still uh, able to take the survey. Yeah. And again, if you're a dancer, even if you didn't experience a raid um, or your club didn't get raided, we still want to hear from you because we want to be able to compare people who experienced a raid versus people who didn't and, and see if there's any differences. Yeah. And these are just for dancers. Yes. Yes. All right. Hopefully, maybe one day we'll be able to expand the study, maybe go farther than New Orleans. Yeah, who knows what the future holds. But um, we really thank you for having us on to talk about our survey today. Um, It means a lot to share this information, and maybe we'll come back some other time to tell you about how all of our data shapes out. Yeah, I I definitely want – I'm definitely intrigued. So I'm definitely planning on having you guys next year, and uh, I want to hear the study and uh, the outcome of it and what the future is going to entail and uh, just get your – your voice and your opinion on everything that you've seen come through and uh, again uh if you submit this information you'll be anonymous all right they're not going to chase you back they're not going to be like hey did you hear about jane doe they're not gonna i i can vouch for y'all i can say alex and ali they're not going to be out here talking about your business and saying anything other than uh, they're not going to do anything else other than sharing data and not and the names. survey, there's nothing mentioning any kind of club you were at, yeah. nothing like that. We it's, don't even ask. It's, it's not, 
we're just looking for like your personal experience we're not looking to get your club in trouble or anything like that yeah we really just that's all i mean raid yes or no like we don't (laughs) want to get anyone in trouble or point out anything at any specific club but people again in the there's an optional comment at the end where they can talk about their experience or they can share that uh, but again, if there's any identifying information that's shared, we, we really aren't going to include it because we do want to protect people's privacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was another thing I want to bring up. So uh, people that are worrying that it's going to these raids are going to happen again and that this is not the end. I mean, is is there any comfort that they're going to have uh, knowing that they're going to be safe? I mean, I, mean, I have absolutely no idea because we if is their comfort knowing that they're going to be safe if they're afraid it's going to happen again? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I have no idea if it's going to happen again. Um, I would say the best ways to to stay safe is, um, I mean, I don't even know. I think follow that... The, follow the rules. I mean, that could be one thing. But, you know, again, you know, people, you know, someone could allege something that didn't even happen. Right. You could be following the rules and somebody alleges something on you or you could you know it just it puts a lot of us against each other right because you could be following the rules but maybe someone else isn't and that's what gets the club cited mm-hmm. you know i would say that the best thing to do um in the case of a raid is to stay calm oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and try to try to leave you know see if you can just be able to leave um gather your things and leave um you know i obviously you know i don't know how it's going to be done or if if it's going to happen again but i would say um just from talking to friends who did experience that you know i think the best thing to do is to just try to stay calm Mm -hmm. um you know not not engage with any officers um you don't have to say anything other than may i have a lawyer and can i leave you know and that's what i would just say to do you know i wouldn't i wouldn't talk to any law enforcement without a lawyer present um and i would just try to be granted permission to leave as soon as I can. Okay. Um, I want to change into my clothes and get out. <laughs> That's yeah. my best recommendations and to seek support from a friend or someone you trust, um, you know, just so you can process your experience. Uh, so for those of you that uh, are not familiar with the rates and how they occur, uh, they'll have law enforcement will come into this club and say to an establishment uh, where people are working. And this is, this is what happened. This is, what has happened during working hours law enforcement will come into the club or the venue and they'll start everybody get their clothes on we're looking for i i know in one instance they were looking for certain individuals is this person working and then they'll ask for ids and then they've actually followed these women into the dressing room and watched them change out of their dancer clothes into civilian clothes and then also call out the individual's name, their legal government name, in front of customers. Um, now, as a woman who's dan- as a dancer, a lot of them do not want their information to be leaked out. They don't want to. I mean, they don't want to be known as Jane Doe, uh, and who lives at one two three four Canal Street. You know, they'd rather be known as their dancer name, uh, Cinnamon. You know, to their customer. Other customers are there. During one instance, they were uh, they had law enforcement shouting out their legal government names in front of customers. So now they know who these people are. So if I was the a stalker type, say I want to go on Facebook and I'm looking up. Oh, now I know I can find Jane Doe. 
in New Orleans. Boom. Now I know where this girl, and I now, now I know how to follow her. Now I know what she's going to be doing today, tomorrow. Um, well, there's also, um, you know, if you're working another job that isn't, you oh, know, a strip, yeah. at a strip club and your boss finds out and, you know, there's still the st- stigma oh, against that. Yeah. And that could impact. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, there's been, I know girls who are working at uh, coffee shops and, uh. Or then, people in school, you know. Oh, yeah. Their mom and dad don't know. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, it's hard. You know, I think that it's important that, you know, people's confidentiality is protected. Yeah. But, there's yeah. a, even though these girls are, um, a lot of them are proud to be dancing and making uh, decent money to make, I mean, ends meet, they still don't want, it's not open, open for really. There's they don't stigma, want, you know. People yeah. don't, people, even if they're proud of their work as a dancer, there's stigma that might prevent them from being able to communicate that. And yeah. Yeah, I've been cursed at a few times. Like, David, don't call him my real name. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, out in public, don't dare say my name in public. Just call me by my dancer name. All right. Or vice versa. Don't call me by my real name. Yeah. Please don't refer to my dancer name. They don't totally. know. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been in both shoes where I'm calling someone by their dancer name in public, and then I have to call someone by their birth name uh, and ignore the fact right. that they've ever had to put stilettos on. Yeah. But, um,. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, um, we're about to wrap it up, too. Yeah, this know. has been awesome. All right, cool. Uh, no, yeah, thank you guys for coming on. Like I said, I plan on having you all uh, again next year uh, after the, the results. Um, I'm sorry, after the survey's been uh, concluded. And, um, yeah, is there any closing remarks that you guys have? Decrim sex work now. Thanks for having us on, David. Yeah. <laughs> Decrim sex work. All right, and again, one last time, where can people find this uh, this survey? You can email us at nolaraidstudy at gmail.com. Um, pay attention to DJ DZ's Insta. We'll uh, <laughs> send you the link there, and you can share it with your followers. Awesome, awesome. All right, again, this is WAMFLP, the voice of the people, 90.3 FM, suitable for the cubicle. Uh, you can tune into us, www.wamf.org. You can live stream us 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Booze Brothers Show. Once again, I'm DJ DZ. Follow me on Instagram and Snapchat, DJ underscore DZ. Get more information about everything happening in New Orleans, all the events, uh, great surveys, great people we have coming on the show. Thank you guys for coming on again, uh, Alex and Allie. Now, if there's any last thing I could say is just in Ellen DeGeneres' words, just be kind to one another. All right? WAMF.org. Listen as frequently as you can, please. And that's going to wrap up our show. Thank you guys for coming on.